May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It does not matter if you like cream in your coffee or cream and sugar. It does not matter if you like your coffee black. It does not even matter if you like coffee at all. It doesn't matter if you like romance novels or science fiction, history or physics. It doesn't matter if you like red wines or white wines or if you think that the best kind of wine is beer. Um, That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you were born into wealth or poverty or somewhere in between. There are 7 billion people on this planet and each one of us is different. Each one of us is truly unique, one of a kind. I was thinking about Mr. Rogers, used to that little song he used to sing or say, you are a very special person, you remember this? The only one like you in the whole world. There's never been anyone exactly like you before and there will never be again. Only you and people can like you just as you are. I think we spend way too much time worrying about things that don't matter. We worry about what we're going to wear. We worry about the PTA luncheon and whether we get first place in the science fair. We worry about why the bishop chose somebody to be over top of a committee and not somebody else. I actually only worry when he chooses me. But, you know, people get worried about some of these sorts of things. If you were honest, if I was honest, we would have to admit that we spend way too much time worrying about things that simply do not matter. That doesn't mean, however, that nothing matters. It doesn't mean that that there are no matters of significance. There is a middle ground between everything mattering very much and nothing mattering at all. We should say, or at least could say, that there are a few things that are very important, and there are a lot of things that are very unimportant. There are a few things that are important, very important. I think a main goal, maybe, of life is to figure out that list. You know, what are the things that really matter and what are the things that don't? How do we major on the major and not on the majors and not on the minors? Have the right priorities in life. And even saying that, if I use that language, the right priorities, the proper priorities, the things that are important is value-laden language, isn't it? It causes somebody, you know, maybe to say, oh, you have a right list and they have a right list and who has the right right list? Well, maybe you could push back against that and we could have a little bit of debates about who has proper priorities and who doesn't. But I think for the Christian, there is an objective reality about what proper priorities look like. There is an actual standard, an objective standard for what is important in the world. And St. James has been working with us through this list of some things that are important. If this is your first time through St. James, and we've been in this, uh, this general epistle for a few weeks now, um, James is a very pragmatic religion. It comes at us in a very practical sort of way. kind of gets in our face and just makes things very clear. He begins by saying, first of all, that religion is ethical. That it's not good enough to simply be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. He says we have to be careful what we say. Our words can harm people or they can bless people. And so we want to be careful about the words that we say. He says that we should not discriminate, that we should treat people fairly. He says that we should be concerned about the needs of the poor and not be indifferent to people suffering. And last week he said we should be careful not to become a teacher because teachers will be judged more strictly than others. 
He adds another one this week to a list of priorities. And it's this, the, verse, the very first verse. If you want to take your bulletin and look at this with me. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his conduct, good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Um, who is wise and understanding? We could translate this word understanding as learned. Who is wise and learned among you? Who, who has um, solid, who's an expert? An expert on what? Well, an expert on the life of faith, right? Who's an expert on uh, the, the religious life? And suddenly everybody says, oh, the guy who wears his shirt backwards. You know, that's the expert right there. Point to him. Maybe the, the university scholar on religion, you know, people who write big books and that sort of thing. But I think James, while he does have teachers in mind here, I think he has more than just the teacher. It's not just the teacher who's wise and learned. A lot of lay people are wise and learned too. A lot of the best lay people are wise and learned and seek to be wise and learned. That's what we all actually want, isn't it? I mean, we want to, to be wise in the ways of God and, and, and learn the ways of God and, and practice those in our lives. I just thought about you know, the way that even the whole sermon works. I mean, imagine, I said, no more sermons. <laughs> no more sermons in math. Is I mean, we're done. First of all, my kids would be like, yes. Um, but maybe a few adults would be too. But in a few weeks, I'd have a full-scale mutiny on my hands. And rightly so. Why? Because we come and gather together to worship, but also to learn, to be formed and shaped in our minds and in our lives. We want to be wise and learned. But there's a danger in learning. The danger is arrogance. The more that we learn, the more arrogant we can become, or at least are tempted to become. And arrogance leads to bitter zeal, a, a sense of, of zealousness about our ideas and about the, what we think is right and true. Um, I want you to never forget, and I'm sure you haven't, ever, don't ever forget that the men who flew planes in the buildings on September 11 did so out of religious fervor. They did so because they believed that they were doing right in the sight of God. They murdered thousands of people because of their religious zeal. Listen now to James, verse 14, the very next verse. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic for where there is jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. The word jealousy here, zealous, is not, oh, not, um, it's not the jealousy, the, the worry, agitated fear that, um, that uh, you know, an insecure or jilted lover might feel towards one another. It, it's not like that sort of jealousy. It's zealous, it's zeal, it's religious fervor. Um, it, it's that, that the, the, the emotion that a terrorist, a religious terrorist feels more than a, a person who's in love with somebody. It's bitter zeal, zeal as well. It's almost hard for me to say zeal. It's bitter zeal. It, it, it's the sort of that's angry and harsh. And it comes with a combination of selfish ambition. Um, James Hardy wrote, or you, uh, writes of this word. He says, the word denotes the inclination to use unworthy and divisive means for promoting one's own views and interests. It's arrogant, bitter zeal. 
It's a, it's a sense of prideful. Um, I know I'm right and you're wrong type of attitude. And the combination is lethal. James says this kind of wisdom or this kind of learning is not godly at all. What does he call it? He calls it earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. The kind of learning that is filled with that zeal, that, that arrogance that I'm so right and I'm, I'm going to do right by God. Listen to what he says in verse 17. But the wisdom from above, the contrary part, what does good wisdom, what does good godly wisdom look like? James says, I'm glad you asked. I'm fixing to answer that question. Verse 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let me just kind of break these down just a little bit. First of all, it is pure. It is devoid of harshness. It is devoid of bitterness. It is goodness. The word is very closely related to goodness. It is peaceful. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know by saying that. But even I get it when I see it three times in, in, in two sentences, right? It is Peaceful, And then the lessons, it is a, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peace, peace, peace. Shalom. Irene in Greek. This is, it, the, what kind of wisdom is godly wisdom? Wisdom that emphasizes peacefulness. It's gentle. I was trying to think of a, 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 what does gentleness look like? And if you've ever been to my house and met my dog, you would understand gentleness. She's a lab. She, she is a, a lover of all things human. And um, her whole goal in life is to make you feel better. If, if, you're, if you're down, at, she somehow has this sixth sense. If, you're, if you, uh, you know, don't feel good, she's at your feet. And she's right there. And when we play and we roughhouse around, you know, I can stick my hand out there. And she'll grab hold of my wrist, you know, with her mouth. But she, she gums me. She, like, covers up her teeth so she won't hurt. She's gentle. A godly wisdom is peaceful, it's pure, it's gentle, it's reasonable. I think we've lost uh, rationality in a, in a lot of our public discourse and a lot of our, the Western world. Oh, I see what you mean. That's a good point. Oh, I, yeah, I, I see how you got there. This is reasonableness. It's merciful. Not harsh and judgmental, but rather is one that lets people off of the hook. Fair-minded, impartial. And the last one is sincere, which actually in, in, in James' New Testament Greek, ahypocritical, unhypocritical. It's just authentic. It's one who listens to others, who values others, who treats people with dignity and respect. It's someone who listens and understands and doesn't always agree, but can disagree agreeably. This is what godly wisdom and understanding looks like. Not everything matters, but some things do, right? Wisdom and learning matter. But wisdom and learning ought to be godly wisdom and learning. 
But we ought to conduct ourselves with, with the qualities that James is saying. That, that we don't know everything. I know you all have opinions and most of them are really, really good. I've heard them. You have really good opinions. But they're not all good. You know, there are some that are flawed. I have really good opinions. Just ask me, I will tell you. But some of them are flawed. I don't really know which ones are and which ones aren't. That's the problem because I hold them all equally true. Just because we have some level of expertise doesn't mean that we have reached that level of perfection. And we ought to be gentle with our wisdom, gentle in our understanding. I thought about ways in which this doesn't happen in the world. And here are just a few. Sports. Sports are a great place to have fun. They're a great place to kind of poke fun at friends, you know, especially those friends are from, you know, a city in Pennsylvania. It's a great place to, you know, to have a, a lot of good-natured humor. But I've seen it get to the point where it doesn't become good-natured. I've seen grown men fighting in a parking lot of a stadium because they disagreed and wore different color clothing. You know, <laughs> I don't like you because you don't wear my colors. You know, that's just a, it's just obscene and, and foolish. And besides that, it's fluid. You can disagree with the greatest person or the greatest player or the greatest team or whatever. It's just all nonsense. But some are a little bit more ooh, close to home. Christian traditions. There are 47,000 denominations in the world. 47,000. Do you know why? Because we disagree about everything and we can't disagree agreeably. And so we just storm off. I'll go off and play on my own. Take my marbles and go home. We have become unreasonable. So sure that we're right. So unwilling to listen. So intolerant to anybody else's opinions. One more. Our politics. Oh my. We are so sure we are right and they are wrong. And whatever we and they are, you just fill in the blank for yourself. We are so sure that we are right, they are wrong. So certain that, um, that they can't even have a, uh, you know, a modicum of, of a reasonableness. There's no compromise. We, we, it has to be this way and this way only. This is the way it is. And you know what happens? We fight and we argue and we divide and we damage our republic. I was thinking about the fact that the church has this as well as the, as well as the politics, right? But the Lord promised that he would be with us for the church. <laughs> the church is going to survive. Uh, you know, uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But he didn't make that promise for the republic. You know, um, if we keep doing what we're doing, we destroy the very fiber of our democracy. It's dangerous. Godly wisdom is not like that. It is not divisive. It is not warring. It is not intolerant. It is gentle. It is peaceable. It is reasonable. A couple of decades ago, there's this fellow, uh, Richard Carlson, who wrote this book called um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. <laughs> you remember this title? I never read the book. I like the title. I don't know I agree with the title, but I like it. I mean, it sounds kind of clever. Um, it, and it sold millions of copies still. It's still you know, way up there on the bestseller list um, because people realize that we spend too much time on trivialities and not enough time on things that are important. Not everything is of equal importance. Some things matter more than others. It was in the collect today. Did you hear it? You know, don't let us be anxious about earthly things, 
But help us be mindful of, of, of things heavenly or something there like that. Let, let's not be anxious about worldly matters. But let us be, let us be you know, diligent about things that really do heavenly matters. I think St. James would say that some things matter more than others. And there are some things that matter. It matters that we have wisdom and that we have learning, but that it's godly wisdom and godly learning. And that we are peaceful people. We champion peace over being right. That we would rather seek kindness rather than correction. That we're people who are merciful. I think these are things that James would say, if we get those right, then we're rightly ordering our lives. And if we don't, well, then we're not. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.